Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Breaking It Down. This is episode four, and we are continuing our series on sleep today. My name is Chris Maraboli, and as always, I'm joined by Dr. Sherry. How are you doing today, Dr. Sherry? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Um, so powerful podium series on sleep we did this week. We're getting some good feedback on that. And uh, sleep is one of those things that I feel like we don't give enough attention to as far as our overall health is concerned. I can't agree with you more. Um, in fact, I really would love to start with a story um, about back from the dark ages when I was a resident, um, before the Libby Zion case, actually. Well, what's that? That's uh, the Libby Zion case. Yeah, of course you don't know. <laughs> uh, what am I even thinking? So Libby Zion was probably occurred, that, that case probably occurred in 1984. That was before you were born, right? Uh, well, well before. Okay, that, that's a scary <laughs> thing for me. So in 1984, a young woman named Libby Zion was admitted to Cornell University Hospital. Um, and at the time, she was attended to by interns and residents. Uh, the attending physician was not there. Um, and she had been started on a medication called Nardil for depression. She came in with agitation and low-grade fever, and the diagnoses that would come up by the residents were um, insufficient. So they gave her medication because she was agitated, um, called Demerol, which interacted with the antidepressant medication and caused her to have a, a temperature that rose to 107. That's and high. That's really high. That's, that's Very really dangerously high. high. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she ended up with something called serotonin syndrome and ended up dying. Now, her father um, was a prominent uh, journalist and uh, lawyer. And he, of course, tried to change the system. He basically said, look, because the residents were unsupervised and because they had hours and hours of lack of sleep, this needed to be changed because that's probably what contributed to the death of his daughter. And so the laws were changed. Um, there was a commission formed, the Bell Commission, and the laws were changed, which came into effect that um, limits the number of hours that physicians in training can work. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's been beneficial in some ways. And it was fought, actually, for a lot of years with the feeling being that if you know, I, I remember going through that transition with my residents when I was, was teaching. You know, well, there's a lack of continuity of, of care then because you're, you know, not following. You're switching off out. doctors. and a Exactly. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. So but before that, it was just the Wild West. You could work for. Oh, it was wild. Yeah. Depending on what type of service you were on, um, surgical residents would be in the, you know, on staff for a week at a time. When I did my ICU resi uh, residency and training, I did. Oh, I don't know, maybe three days at a time, that kind of thing. Before wow. Oh, so you were on for just day. How do you, how do you maintain? I'm trying to think. I mean, I've worked uh, a 12 hour shift before, and at the end of it, I get a little delirious. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that brings me to a story that I'd love to tell you. Yeah. Um, again, when I was a resident, and uh, I guess I was chief at the time, or or at least the senior person on that that day. Um, so I was supervising. Uh, younger students under me, medical students, interns, and residents, and they called a code. Um, so I responded, took care of the code, and then went about the evening business of, you know, making sure that other um, patients that were being admitted were taken care of and, you know, making sure that everybody was ready for morning rounds, which were brutal. When the attendings came in, the senior doctors came in, they wanted to know what you did the night before, and you had to understand the diseases, the differential diagnoses, and they wanted you to explain exactly how you took care of people that night. So 
I got to bed at about 5.30 that morning. And at roughly 10 to 6, I got awakened by the nurses and they said, you were a superstar last night. You were phenomenal. I can't believe you brought that person back. But you know, you forgot to sign some orders. And I looked at them and I thought they were joking. I said, what are you talking about? And they said, what are you talking about? You don't remember the code? And I didn't remember running the code at all at that point. It was crazy. And yeah, it was absolutely insane. So until this day, I still don't remember the details of that event. Oh, wow. So you were running on autopilot. I was running on autopilot, yeah. That's incredible. I mean, that's that's something else. And then, so, wait, the nurses woke you up. Does that mean you were sleeping? So from 5.30 to 10 to 6, I was asleep, yeah. Sleeping in the hospital, though? Oh, yeah. You, you don't leave the hospital. Oh, you don't go home? home. No, no. Oh. In those days, you didn't go home. Oh, wow. Yeah, you stayed. And and even now, you know, you stay. Oh, wow. That's some crazy commitment. That's, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So, Chris, what is it that keeps your generation up at night? Well, <laughs> I think it's a number of things, actually. I think that with my generation, we have um, – it's kind of cool. It's like the gift and the curse at the same time. We're never not connected to the rest of the world. So I think because of that, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of social anxiety that comes with it. Um you can stream anything you want on like Netflix or Hulu or whatever service you use. You're, you're constantly connected to all of your friends through texting, email, uh, social media, it, up 1, 2, 3 a.m., posting pictures from this amazing time they had today. And all you did was sit in bed. And so you, you have this social anxiety, this kind of like this fear of missing out, that uh, you need to be a part of something. Yeah, that's and, something I just don't relate to at all. Uh, yeah, really? <laughs> no, no, I don't have a fear of missing out. I, you know what? I think I'm starting to lose mine. <laughs> <laughs> that may be a good thing. Yeah. You're hanging out with me. That's why. Exactly. It's rubbing off on me. Yeah. Um, but I, I think all things like that uh, work. There's, I find it interesting that there's kind of no rules that stop work from reaching out to you when you're not at work. That's absolutely true. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing that stops you from getting a work email at 8 p.m. on a Thursday night when you're eating dinner or something like that. And and I think that that's kind of weird. And I don't know, was it always that way? Uh, well, for physicians, well, it kind of field. is. Yes, yes, in my field. But no, it wasn't always that way. Um, I remember, you know, days where my father worked nine to five um, and weekends were weekends. Uh, malls were not open. Do you remember that time at all? No. no. Did you even know that that existed? I did not know that that existed, yeah, actually. Yeah, there were what we now call blue laws, right? So, right. Yeah, where on the weekends, this, you know, especially Sundays, malls were not open. It was family time, and that was it. Families got together, you know, extended family got together for meals, and that's the way, uh, that's the way it was. That's the way it was. Um, there are good and bad things to that, but there is some kind of... Uh, comfort in knowing that there's a kind of a cushion and no matter what, there's this network of people that are always going to be there for you. Yeah. Um, regardless, you know, and who accept you as you are. That That is fantastic. And that's actually funny you say that because I didn't know it was ever like that here. But if you go to certain parts of Europe, uh, Sundays are still, everything's closed. Oh, absolutely. It, it's, and that's kind of crazy to me. Super inconvenient, but I can <laughs> You managed to do your shopping and everything else another day. Yeah, I guess you could. <laughs> That's There's always Amazon. Do you think that that, that uh, not having those blue laws and, and having so much heavy advertising towards 
um, towards shopping and consumerism and, you know, try watching a football game without a Bud Light commercial. Do you think that that contributes to our overall anxiety and lack of sleep? I I think it does. Um, I think that in general, people are losing their sense of self because you're bombarded all the time by advertisements and that feeling that you're you're missing out, that you should be wanting something other than what you have. And if you're not centered and you don't have a really good sense of self, then that can present, you know, as anxiety. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder, what do you think... For someone like me, who I definitely get socially anxious at moments, um, what do you think are some steps I can take to get out of this, to to kind of make myself feel a little better? To I think the first thing you need to do is learn not to have anxiety when you shut your devices off. Life will go on. Right. Your texts will be there when you turn it on again. Um, that allows you time to you know, explore who you are a little bit more, other interests, whether it be music or reading or hiking or connecting with somebody in person and actually having a conversation. Right. You mean like face-to-face? Like face-to-face. I don't... <laughs> right. Well, it's it's interesting. I mean, you know, even, even dating, right? right? So in my generation, you know, you were introduced to people or, you know, somebody, you met somebody someplace. Um, and that's a comfortable thing. From my generation, if you ask people if you're swiping left or swiping right, which do you trust more? Or meeting somebody, they're going to say, well, meeting somebody face-to-face. And in your generation, it's oh, not it's the, the case. it's the total opposite. It's the complete opposite. Yeah. Yeah. You don't meet people anymore. No. That's no. crazy. And it's more comfortable for you to read their profiles. And well, yeah, because it's almost like you're not it, – it's dehumanized in a way. It is dehumanized, There's, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I, I do want to circle this back to sleep, though, just to stay on topic a little bit. Um all of these things, all of this, this connectivity, having these devices are clearly affecting the way we sleep, which affects how we do everything else. Um, Absolutely. So when you don't get enough sleep, you're, you know, tend to be short, more short tempered. You don't need to be a doctor to know that, yeah. um, which can interfere with your work relations and your social relations. Uh, you're likely to make more mistakes at work. And, you know, um, if you're for example, a welder, that could be catastrophic. Um, and if you're trading stocks and you're not alert, that can be catastrophic. Um, so all of these things definitely have a problem. And so some of the things that we can do are, one, disconnect. You know, it, it's something that you can do. Try it. Um, try to drink a little bit less caffeine bef- before you go to bed. Eat a little bit earlier. Um, try not to eat a heavy meal two hours before you go to bed at night. And these are some of the things that you can do. Um, there's a medication called melatonin, which is a natural hormone, which can be used in some cases to uh, facilitate sleep. And in fact, has and there's some early studies that show may help with uh, nighttime blood pressure problems mm-hmm. and also may in fact help repair with ALS and has some promise with some dementias. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And that's the, you can get that anywhere, the melatonin, I see. Yeah, melatonin. Yeah, that's account. that's very ubiquitous. Yep. That's interesting. And then so you, the recommended amount of sleep is about seven hours, right? Correct. You can you can do these experiments yourself. I mean, get less than seven hours of sleep, and you'll notice a difference oh, absolutely. in how, you're act, how your brain functions, right. really. Um, I think we should pose a challenge. That sounds great. I think, I think let's pose a challenge. I think let's both do it okay. so that we hold to it. 
And then I would like to challenge everyone listening to this uh, for one week. Do two weeks if you're ambitious, but for one week, seven days, go to bed at the same time every night. Wake up at the same time every morning. Don't try not to drink alcohol. Uh, don't eat before bed. What two hours you're saying about is two the, hours. about two hours? Don't eat two hours before bed. Uh, cut down on the caffeine a little bit, especially before bed. Make and, your make your room comfortable. Make sure the temperature is comfortable. Yeah, that that's temperature is comfortable. How much does lighting go into that? That's that's an excellent question. Uh, lighting definitely affects um, you know your sleep wake cycle because it will trigger melatonin. So if your room's dark, that helps. Interesting. Okay. Cool. Which is which is why devices also interfere because of the blue wave. But you got to just put them down, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Put them in a drawer. Put them in a drawer. Lock them up. Lock them up. How long before sleep should you lock them up? Do you think like? I would start that routine probably if you can about two hours. About before. two hours before. Okay, this is a t- this challenge just got difficult. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> this challenge just got. Th- but my my advice to you would be not to do it all at once. So if you start, you know, an exercise campaign, right, and you and you decide you run, and the first day that you run, you run ten miles, and you feel okay afterwards until forty eight to seventy two hours after, where you feel absolutely aching in every bone. You're gonna stop. But if you, you know, run a quarter of a mile and then walk and then run a quarter of a mile and then walk, and that's all you do for the first week, a mile, you're going to feel good about yourself because you're less likely to have those problems. So if, for example, you go to bed at 2, but you really need to back your clock up till 12, try cutting off about 15 minutes every two to three days, right, for a while, because your body will have time to adjust to that little increment and that will make you feel better about yourself because it won't be that bad. It's not that major jump. And then if you back it up another 15 minutes, okay, now you're half an hour closer to your goal, right? Right. So now you've achieved a goal. You're closer to where you want to be. And even that much is likely to help you. That's incremental. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Let's do that. Let's do it. I, I hope – I want you guys to write in with your sleep experiences and see if you notice a difference in this week or so. Is there anything you'd like to add to this, Dr. Sherry? No, I think that's pretty good. Right. We're out. We're on for the challenge. I, I think so. I think so. I, d- I did just want to bring up we like to do quotes on the show, right? Yes. So I think you have one. Uh, and I also have uh, from the, the Dalai Lama. Right. He says, sleep is the most wonderful of meditations. Right. And uh, Steve Jobs is credited as saying, for you to sleep well at night, the aesthetic, the quality has to be carried all the way through. That's fantastic. That's a quote about consistency, too. I mean, yes, that's... it's a quote about consistency. It's a quote about knowing yourself personally and professionally. That And that's a that's a, another big part of what we're talking about is knowing yourself. Exactly. Is, you know, know, know your limits, know where you are, don't have that fear of missing out. You don't need to be, for my generation, you don't need to be on Facebook until 1 a.m. I think you'll be just fine without it. And uh, I think we got to sign off here. I think, I think this, so. this is a good one. Please go back and uh, and listen to the episode we put out earlier this week. It's very scientific. It's very um, – we, we get into – no, actually, Dr. Sherry lectures us a little bit about sleep and why it's important and the benefits of it. It's fantastic. That was episode three. Uh, you can reach out to us on Instagram at doc.sherry or at Chris Maraboli. Dr. Sherry? Until next time, it's just a reminder to live each day with passion, compassion, and introspection. I love it. Let's keep it up. This is awesome. Thank you for listening. Have a good week.